Hey everybody, it's Mike Honig from the Iowa USED, the Iowa University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities, coming to you with another episode of Disability Exchange. Disability Exchange is a podcast which hopes to elevate the voices of people with disabilities and their family members, to center their voices as well, to really have an opportunity to share their life experience from their own personal point of view. We are thrilled to be partnering with the University of Iowa College of Public Health's Midwest Public Health Training Center, who provide us with wonderful support in producing these podcasts. We have a great guest today that we'll be introducing shortly, but first I'd like to introduce my esteemed, you know, I have to come up with a different adjective today. So today she's my esteemed colleague, Judy. Does that mean that like I need to press my clothes and have them esteemed? (laughs) You know, we are so appreciative of the opportunity to give you the inside look of what it's like to live and be part of our world when you experience disability or have a family member who does. And I'm Judy Worth and here for the comic relief and um, hopefully to help bring this to light. I worked as part of the team at the University of Iowa Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities, or USED, as Mike says. And I'm very excited because I've had the opportunity to work with Kirsten Aller for many years on boards. And I actually knew her mama when she was a little girl. And so it's really exciting to have this accomplished young adult here to talk with us today. So welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. You like to embarrass me and turn me bright pink, don't you? The good news is in a podcast, they don't know how red your cheeks are. That's the upside. Good. For those people in the audience who, who have not had the great opportunity to meet you or work with you, do you mind telling us a little bit about like where you live and just kind of who you are at this juncture? Kristen Aller, I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Eight months old, I was diagnosed with developmental disability. So I've had learning difficulty on some subjects, math mostly, but there were some other ones, all through high school and college. So I had IEPs all through high school. I continued those services when I was in college. Nothing major, but like quiet room to take a test so I didn't get confused or lose my place each time my student left. Just small things like that. And employment is not easy when you do not drive. So that's a big one, trying to figure out some things like that. How do I get from A to B? Why is transportation so hard? Explain that, because people don't understand the challenges that go along with getting around when you don't drive, when you can't drive. Um, Not that I don't want to drive. I've dreamt of driving since I was 12 years old. My sister got her driver's license. I told dad, now when I'm 16, you're going to get me a car, right? We'll see about that. Obviously, it did not work, but I like the thought, even if it was just for a day. Do you mind sharing with people why it is you can't drive? I have a mild case of epilepsy, so mm. that makes a huge difference. <laughs> Last I knew, in Iowa, you have to go six months before you, they can even consider you without getting a driver's license. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky to go one day. So that just hasn't really been an option for you. Yeah, it's not it's not that you couldn't pass the test or couldn't oh, I've done you it. know, the first a car, time. but 
you know, I'm kind of glad that you aren't driving if you have seizures. Could make it seriously dangerous for everyone. But so how do you get around? How do you get to where you're going? What My parents are both retired. So they help me a lot on the weekends and on holidays. My boyfriend helps if I need to go to the doctor or the dentist. It's usually my parents because it's usually during, you know, working hours. But if it's not an appointment, usually it'll be my boyfriend. He'll take me to the grocery store or we'll go to the theater or we'll go to the movies. Or I mean, I can still do the same things that you can. I just need help getting there and home. Sure. Is the bus not a good option for you? We looked at that. Um, we tried that. My parents and I tried setting it up. I would always miss where to get off. I mean, it's been several years, so I'm not saying I would still have the same issues. But the last time we tried, the person that was teaching me how to take the bus would always have to do it for me because I couldn't say I need to get off or I couldn't always do that because I was having a a seizure. Now mine are that bad. I mean, mine are focal. So it's just compared to other seizures, I got pretty lucky in that department because I can still work. I can still do things, but I'd always have to have someone on the bus with me. I see. I'm curious for people who may not know about seizures. What does a focal seizure mean? It's just your eyes. You don't fall down. I know where I am. I know what's going on around me. Most of them are only a matter of seconds, but that doesn't mean I'm going to respond to you. Sometimes they can be a couple minutes. This kind of depends. If I'm sick, they can be longer. But the biggest issue, and it always has been, is when the weather changes. I mean, we've never been able to prove that's what it is, but when you've been having this issue since you were like third, fourth grade, to my family and those closest to me, we can say, well, I may not be able to prove it, but. So um, one question that I would have for you, Kristen, for those of you that maybe this is your first time at listening to the podcast, um, I happen to be blind. So I'm kind of in the same boat with you as far as transportation, because they don't let me out on the road either. And I have different reasons for not taking the bus very often. And one of them is that it takes Sometimes it takes forever and ever to get, you know, where you're going and you might have to make two or three different bus connections and so forth. And that can be challenging. But one of the things I have done sometimes is to use what some people call paratransit. So it's a, it's a system uh, for, again, for the benefit of our listeners that you can actually call and make an appointment. Now there are some drawbacks to that. I've done that. Does that work for you or is that tough also? Um, I've done that if it's within like the Cedar Rapids. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, if you set it up, that's okay. But there are some times you find out, and this doesn't happen often, but if something were to happen, whether it be school was canceled, in the winter you have such a crappy snowstorm, they don't like you to cancel at the last minute. If you have to cancel, they want at least 24-hour notice. You can't always plan those. You got that right. I've and then if that. you don't give notice, most of the time they will still charge you. And they will also cancel you at some point, which (laughs) if you don't give notice multiple X number of times in a row, they will do that. Yeah. It is a tremendously nice service, but in my world where we talk about work, 
it's not always the best way for somebody to get to work because they're often running late or way early. They can. If you have another person on the same side of town, they go whoever's closest first, or this is how it was when I used to work. So, um, Kristen, we've talked a little bit about transportation. It sounds like you've got a busy life doing other things, but are there other kinds of support that you are able to weave into your day to make things a little easier for you? I mean, it sounds like you've got some great transportation supports. Are there other kinds of supports? Well, for now I do. I have some good stuff, but when I think of my parents are almost 80 years old, so I do worry and I, I was always taught plan ahead. Well, how long are my parents going to be driving? What do I do when they no longer can drive? Or what do I do when my parents pass on? Mm-hmm. That's where I get, oh, crap, what will I do? Kristen, where do you live? I mean, do you live in, do you live with your parents? Do you live in your own I place? I do not. Do I live, live in a, for the most part, I'm on my own. But An apartment, a house? Kind of. Oh, that's nice. I live by myself during the week. My boyfriend comes over on the weekend. My boyfriend, not quite 20 years we've been together. So. Wow. Well, that's amazing. That's a long time. For somebody that didn't even want to go out with me, that's pretty darn good. We would just start out as just friends. He would get together on the weekends. He'd help me work on my self-esteem and then. After six months or a year, I said, the more time you spend with me, the more likely I'm going to get what I want. And he finally agreed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you've opened the door to talk about your ability to advocate for yourself, Kristen. That's a great example. Listeners take note, just persistence and commitment will pay off. And do you get other than transportation? Do you get any other help to be able to be able to live in your condo independently? No, my parents pay the HOA. I don't pay it. They pay mm. it. Hey, you know what? Can I call them? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I'm thinking about moving to a condo in Florida and maybe they would help me out with my HOA and then I could buy it. Well, Just joking. I know. <laughs> Kristen, what do you do for fun? For the most part, just my family. Whether that's my family or my boyfriend's family, it doesn't matter to me. Usually on the weekend, it'll be my parents will pick me up, take me to church if they're in town. If they're not in town, that's another story. If if they're out of town, I usually just don't go. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we'll skip it. If like my parents tell me my sister and her four kids are coming, because that means you have to take both of my parents' vehicles just to get my sister and her kids there. Yeah, that can get complicated. That makes for a huge family event. It does. Do you come from a large family, a small family? One. One? You and a sister? Mm-hmm. My parents were told when I was eight months old, don't have any more kids. Because they could have a disability and they could have a disability worse than me. I'm sure that was a huge surprise to my mother. Because... Nobody in my family, and they went all the way back to as far as they could on both sides of the family. There was no one with a disability. Hmm. That is interesting. And the reason I'm asking this is I know that, you know, in some cases, a disability can bring a family together and sometimes not so much. So I have two sisters and they're both older than I am. And it's been a little complicated over the years because sometimes 
they want to protect me, especially when I was younger. I think they saw me as, you know, needing to kind of be coddled and spoiled and everything. And I guess that's better than fighting all the time. But, you know, as adults now, I think we have really good and um, healthy relationships. Do you connect with your sister some? Are you fairly close with yes. her and the kids? Um, there's four year age difference. And she was always pretty good at looking out for me, whether it be school or if I was sick, she'd bring my homework home. Or she was just a really good sister. We really got closer when she went to college because we weren't in the same house because we weren't seeing each other as often and we weren't hogging the bathroom as often. It was more special when we did get to see each other. She was just really good and caring. And if I was given a hard time, because I was slower at things, sometimes people give me, Kristen's not good at this. or I mean, it didn't happen often, but she's like, well, that's just my sister. And she'd say something like, well, everybody learns things faster and slower than others. And they just, after that, people shut up. I'd say that's a pretty good sister. I know that you do a lot of advocacy work, that you're on some boards and councils. You want to share a little bit about that with us? Well, I know you're on the DD council with yes. me now. I'm on Archie and the DD council. Oh, you the are? The state board I was on was Silk, Statewide Independent Oh, it was. Don Francis, who was executive director of the Silk at the time, reached out to Delaine Pearson, who was executive director of the ARC of East Central Iowa out of Cedar Rapids, and asked if she knew anybody that might be interested in being on that board. Delaine asked me, I told her, well, I can't really give you an answer because I don't know anything. You know, if I get some information, then I can give you an answer. Once she explained, you know, this is how often it meets. This is at least 50, I think it's 51% of the boards have to be somebody with disability or a family member. So that really got me excited. For once, it's more than half. That was exciting to me. So I said, yes, I would. I came home. I talked to mom about it. She's like, well, if you want to do it, we'll make it work. I think it'd be a great opportunity. I told her I, I agree, but you know, the morning's two hours and I don't drive. So that was more of the transportation part that I needed to know I had the help with. So I did that for six years. Loved it. Last two years, year and a half, I got approached to do executive board position. I said, I'd like to, but there's really no information. There's nothing that says this is what each one duty or tasks or what. There was nothing. And I said, so I really can't say I want to do it because I don't know what each one entails. And there was another young person he was lots of fun and explained things super easy so I asked if I you know maybe if I could like shadow him for the remainder of the year and learn what that job does that position does then I can say this will work this won't work Dawn thought that was a great idea she's like I don't know why we've never thought of that before we're always trying to get more people involved on the board so she reached out to Mike he agreed he thought it was also a great idea I ran the next year, and because I knew what I was going to be doing, I easily got that position. And that's how it worked. It works a lot of times. If I can you know, talk to somebody or I can shadow them and help them for that year, more than likely, I'm going to run. And if I run, I'm going to get it because I'm the only one that asked. <laughs> for one and two, 
I just saw, well, Kristen knows what she's doing. There were other people that said, I want to run from the floor, but because I already knew what it entailed and I wasn't starting from scratch, I was the one elected. I like the DD council. I enjoy it. I do a lot of sub councils and planning committees. I helped last year, so 2021, moderate the Make Your Mark breakout sessions. I enjoyed it. I said I would do it again. I'm going to do it again this year. I put my name up for moderator. Me and Judy are actually going to also do a breakout session, but it's going to be more of a panel discussion because we want to involve the, the people that come. So it's going to be us and a couple others with disabilities. But I'm looking forward to it. And that'll be in September. What do you like about being on boards? Making a difference for people that have disabilities, especially those that cannot drive. Yeah, I know the transportation is a huge issue for you. Well, it's for just about all of us. Absolutely. Well, and... I know that, Kristen, you've mentioned before that not being able to drive not only affects, you know, your ability to get places, but it has affected your your work life as well. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done for work and what you want to do for work, what what your future holds for you? Because we're going to have people listening here who might, when you tell them your dreams, may go, oh, I could work with her. I need her services. So tell us a little bit about work. I've had a couple of jobs that I was there for a few years and then the requirements changed. Instead of somebody or the bus bringing the kids to you, you had to go pick the kids up and take them to the location. Mm. So that basically there got me out of a job. And they said, because I was so good, my boss said, put me down as a substitute. So if somebody couldn't make it, I could fill in. And that didn't work. I never was called in. So I looked elsewhere and I worked for six months or so for the Cedar Rapids schools as a paraeducator for special needs. I enjoyed it, but disability kind of caused that one to have issues. And I Worked at an insurance company in the mailroom for about 10 years. So that one wasn't really that big a deal. I uh, sorted the mail and everything. So that was pretty easy to do. I did that part-time for 10 years. But after 10 years, they started to cut back, especially if you were part-time. So when I moved to where I live now, which is partly why my parents chose this place. It was so I could walk to and from work. And then about a week or so after I moved in, I found out, oh, guess what? We're going to let you go because we have no work for you. So I worked for insurance for 10 years, and then I worked for Four Oaks for two or three years, and then I worked for the schools, and then kind of like, what do you do then? Well, you're making some great connections, Kristen. I mean, you are reaching out and looking for other opportunities. And actually, I, you know, you were kind of saying, oh, that wasn't a big deal at the mailroom. But, you know, I think it's a big deal these days 
to hold a job of any kind for 10 years. Do you know what the latest statistics are about what the average length of people keeping a job? I don't think it's even that long, is it? No, I think what we what we see more and more is that young professionals are transitioning jobs every three to five years. Um, this was something I'd read a while back. And so, yeah, you've got, you've got some decent work there and your, your work has changed, not necessarily by your choice, No, but now you do, now you do have some choice. And I know you've got a dream for what you want to have happen. You're working on trying to position yourself as an advocate, correct? Yes. For the disability community. Sure. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that because some of the people who are listening might go, wow, we would benefit by talking with Kirsten Moore. What are you hoping to do? Share personal experience, whether that be education, whether that be work, or don't have a lot of experience with insurance. That doesn't mean I can't figure it out and how to make things easier. Dan didn't think there were a lot of things I could do. He's like, you don't want to do that. You can't do that. I'm like, do you know I can't? No, but you probably can. That's basically where I started in 10th grade. I'm not doing this anymore which is why it started with, let me try the algebra. Let me try. Kristen, you can't do it. I'm like, do you want me to, 10 years down the road to dislike you or to wonder what if or could I have done that? No, we don't want that. I'm like, let me try. Give me one term. If I do well, I keep going. If I don't, special ed math. Oh, well, that sounds fair. That was the first time I think he actually saw it from my point of view. And he agreed. So that's what we did. Homework was easy because I could spend all the time that I needed on it. But the tests and quizzes killed me, especially the quizzes. I never knew when those were coming. But he was proud I tried. After the term, he told me he was proud I tried, and he was wrong. I understood it better than he thought. So that's when I started to learn how to stand up for myself. If more students had chances like that, I'm not saying go into general courses, depends on your ability levels. But if you give them a chance to practice, I think more people will be able to stand up for themselves, whether it be transportation or whether that be working or they can say, this is what I need. They will have those experiences. Kristen, I think that's great advice, a great example. And it's kind of wanting to leading into my next question. I guess I got a little bit ahead of myself, but what advice would you give to somebody that's listening out here that is, has really been shy, maybe has really not decided that they can speak up. What advice would you, would you give somebody like that? If you and I were talking and and I said to you, oh, nobody's going to listen to me anyway. Why should I advocate? What would you tell me? I've had had that thought once in a while myself. It can only be better than it was now if you actually talk to somebody. Sometimes all you have to do is talk to somebody and you think different. There are plenty of times where I've thought about speaking for the disability community. I didn't think that was the greatest idea. Not because it doesn't need to be addressed, but more for how do I get there? And I saw last year, 
at the Make Your Mark community, I talked to some people that have some physical disabilities and I asked them, well, how do you get to people? When you're asked to speak, how do you get there? And once I heard a couple of different examples, I started thinking different. And I was also a moderator for a couple of people. And when I shared a few firsthand examples of what some of the boards do that I'm on, they said, well, you should speak more. So I took what I thought, what I learned from those people that had physical disabilities and what she told me because I'm a good speaker, I started thinking, well, if they can do this, so can I. That just gets back to the importance of learning from other people and talking. Yeah. And, and I think that other person, you know, recognized uh, the person that you talked to at Make Your Mark recognized your skill level too, which, you know, yeah, that's they were from the talent bank. Yeah. And that's a good person to um, connect with. It's a good way to get some ideas because there are some boards and communities and it's just some are in your city, some are in your state. It's just, you don't really know until you go there online. Well, and you know, Kristen, I think that one of the things that you probably have understated is not only are you involved in disability boards and stuff, but you've been a member of the JCs and Toastmasters. You've really jumped into, into living life even when it didn't work out the way that you hoped. So I have a question for you. We like to finish up this interview with, what do you hope that when, when all is said and done, what do you hope your legacy is? What do you hope people say when they say, oh, Kristen Aller, what do you hope they, that people remember about you? I honestly don't know how to answer that one. I know what I'd say, but the question wasn't directed to me. Well, I'd like to hear what you have to say. Well, I would say that she is persistent and she knows what she wants and she figures out how to go about getting it. And she likes to help others in the process. That sounds like a lot of what my dad says to me, actually. So that should have been pretty easy to figure out (laughs) whether that's on birthday cards or going to the advocacy days down at the Capitol or whatever it may be. Dad often says, we're proud of you for making a difference and for helping make a difference. My parents were told I would never be able to live on my own. You told me I couldn't do it. Guess what? I love proving people wrong. Well, there it is. That's what we're going to put on your tombstone. She proved us all wrong. There you go. <laughs> and everything that she had hoped and wanted to do, despite the fact that people said she's not going to do that. She's not going to walk. She'll never have a boyfriend for 20 years. She'll never, and you've done it all. I went to the high school dances and I went to the junior high dances. Not always with a guy, but I did go to the dances. That's terrific. Fair enough. Yes. So you tell me it can't be done and I'm, I'm even more wanting to prove you wrong. And I think this is a great way to, to close this interview. Kristen, it's been great talking to you. I want to thank you. I want to thank Erblin and all of our friends at the Midwest Public Health Training Center. And we especially want to thank our, our audience uh, for tuning in. And we ask you to tune in again very soon for another episode of Disability Exchange. Thank you for asking me to help. Thank you for joining us today on Disability Exchange. 
Disability Exchange is produced by the University Center for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities, which is housed at the Center for Disabilities and Development at the University of Iowa. Special thanks to Kyle Delvaux for the music contribution. <laughs>